wants not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. started a journey on things that will help you grow. Turn to your neighbor and say successful people do consistently what failures do occasionally. Say successful people they do consistently what others do occasionally. The subject we are teaching has to do with consistency in living. Somebody say consistency in, living. consistency in living. If you are going to live a meaningful life, there must be consistency in your life. And that is what we've captioned as habit in the book of Daniel chapter 6 in the verse number 10. The Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. And prayed and gave thanks before his God as his custom since early days. Somebody say, as his custom since early days. Say, as his custom since early days. All right, so we began by establishing that when we say somebody is a customer of another person, that person habitually participates in whatever business the other person is doing. That's a customer. He does it habitually. That's a customer. Somebody who does it frequently and regularly, that's a customer. And the Bible says that we need to govern our lives with customs. We have to learn to develop habits. The word custom is the same word out of which we have habit. Somebody say habit. Now, habit is very important because everybody wants something good for their lives, but not everybody develops a habit that will make it a reality. If you want to be successful, you need to cultivate successful habits. If you want to prosper, you need to cultivate habits that will make you prosper. Whatever you want to do in life. And in this context, we are looking at spirituality. Somebody say spirituality. If you are going to be spiritual, it will not happen by wishing it. Somebody say it doesn't happen by wishing it. Unfortunately, a lot of people just desire to be spiritual. They wish to be spiritual. But they go through the year and they realize that that wish is never becoming a reality. And it's never becoming a reality because that wish or desire or dream, good as it may be, is not backed by strong habits. And that's why I'm taking time to do this. And these are things you need, not only when you begin your work with God, but you need it every now and then. One of the things that is very difficult to form is a habit. But once you are able to establish a habit... Your life seems to be on autopilot. If there are habits that will make you successful, your life is on autopilot for success. Autopilot. Because it becomes part and parcel of your life. Then people see you and they say, ah, this guy is very timely. No, he's not timely. He didn't just start. He wasn't born with it. He's cultivated it and it's become part and parcel of him. Okay, so we're looking at exercises that are vital for our spiritual health. First Timothy 4, verse 7 to 8. He said, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of a life that now is and of that which is to come. Somebody say, of the life that now is and of the life which is to come. Okay, so we are looking at something that will impart you in this life and the life hereafter. 
We said that spiritual habit refers to any spiritual exercise or discipline you engage in repetitively that advances you spiritually, empowers you for effective, fruitful, and impactful Christian living. How many of us want to have a fruitful Christian life? An impactful Christian life? Then this is the way to go. We need to form spiritual habit that will position us to live impactful, fruitful, and lasting Christian life. And we started by looking at the first habit, which is the habit of prayer. Somebody say the habit of prayer. Say the habit of prayer. Okay? There are people who pray when they have a challenge. When there's a crisis, they can declare seven days of fasting, three days of fasting, go for weeks without food. There are people who can even go to Atria Mountain and stay there for 40 days when there's a crisis. But when there's no crisis, they don't have the discipline of learning to fellowship with God in prayer. So when you pray once a week, and it's consistently once a week, you have a habit of praying. Though we, we would want you to multiply it and increase it. But when you pray once a week in March, and then you don't pray at all in June, and then you pray sometime in the middle of, uh, let's say, the next month, you don't have a habit. Habit is noticeable. You can tell whether you have a habit for it or not. And that is prayer. Uncommon Christians usually can be identified by uncommon habits. Last week, we began by looking at the second important habit, and it's a habit of studying and meditating on God's word. Somebody say the habit of studying and meditating on God's word. And we are going to stay here for a while because, you see, one of the things you need to appreciate in order to live a victorious Christian life is the word of God. The word of God. The word of God. It's so powerful. Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by everywhere which proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word is powerful. In fact, the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. How powerful is the word? It said it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it can divide the soul and the spirit. And then the joints and the marrow, and is a designer of thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's how penetrating the word of God is. The word is powerful. Somebody say the word is powerful. And you see, when you get a revelation that the word of God is powerful, your attitude towards the word will be different. The word of God is powerful. More powerful than anything. The Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. God spoke everything into existence. Everything. Except woman that he took time. Man and woman. Let us make man in our own image. Every other thing he spoke it into. The Bible said we understand through faith. We understand. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 to 3. He says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. And then he says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Somebody said the worlds were framed. By the word of God. So that the things which we see were not made up of things which do so appear. That's how powerful God's word is. But that power will not become a reality in your life until you give yourself to it. Look at what the Bible says uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13 to 16. Somebody say, till I come. 1 Timothy chapter, yeah. Till I come, give attention to. Now, this is how I relate with it, and I want to encourage you to relate with it like that. He says, till I come. Till I come. Until I come. Every time I see this scripture, I see it as until Christ return to take me away in the rapture. Till I come. Give attention to what? Reading. To meditation. To exhortation and to doctrine. He said, give attention to reading. Somebody say reading. reading. Say give attention. Give say give attention. He said, give attention to reading. Give attention to reading. To exhortation and to doctrine. Then he says, do not neglect the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying of the hands of the, pres- of the eldership. Then he says, meditate upon these things. Give yourself whole entirely to them, that your progress may be evident unto all. You will progress. Yes. You will see progress in your spiritual life. Yes. 
There's a way you relate with the word of God. Satan cannot stop you. You just have to progress. You just have to progress. You will just progress. In 2022, you will progress. I see you make financial progress. Spiritual progress. Relational progress. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say 2022. I make significant progress. I make obvious progress. People will see my progress in every area of my life. How is that progress going to be seen? Through the word of God. He said, give attention. You see, what you give attention to sooner or later will show you in your life. What you give attention to. If you give attention to playing soccer and you are good at it, sooner or later, we'll find you in the black stars. We'll find you in the black stars. Sooner or later, when you get the chance to play at the global level, you'll be playing for one of the fine uh, uh, English teams. Give attention. Give attention. Give attention. All right. So give attention to reading to exhortation. Now, John chapter 3, verse 5, verse 39. Search the scriptures. Somebody say, search it. Say, search it. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Somebody say, search it. Say, search it. Now look at Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Somebody say, they said the scriptures daily. You see, what I'm talking about tonight is not occasionally, weekly, once in a long while. No, I'm talking about an everyday practice. The Bible said they said the scriptures daily. Their nobility was not seen by the title they carried. Their nobility was seen by their attitude and their disposition towards the word of God. They set the scriptures daily. May the grace to set the scriptures daily rest upon you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now understand that when it comes to the study of the word of God, there are stages. Somebody say stages. There are various components when it comes to studying the word of God. And the foremost component is what I want us to consider tonight and hopefully maybe next week. And that is on reading. Somebody say reading. reading. Say reading. reading. Tonight, that is the focus of my teaching. My, focus, my teaching focus is on reading the word of God. Somebody say reading the word of God. Listen, if you are going to be a strong Christian, one of the disciplines you must have in your life is the discipline of reading the word of God. Reading the word of God. Reading the word of God. And I'm not talking about reading to understand. I'm talking about reading the word of God. Just reading it. Great books have been written out of the word. But if there is any book you must read, why would you want to read a derivative when you can actually stay with the source by itself? In chemistry, they, they, have, they have what they call uh, fundamental uh, chemicals or so. There's something like that, fundamentals, and then there are derivatives. But I remember there's something fundamental, and there's one, and when we say fundamental, fundamental is the source. And then the, the derivatives come out of, the, they are offshoot of the fundamental. Now, God's word, every other book that has been written from the word is good. I read a lot of material, volumes of them. But one of the things I must read more and most is God's word. Somebody say God's word. Say God's word. You have to have that discipline. I mean, we live in a generation where people like to watch and hear, but few like to read. Praise God. Few like to read. Few like to read. Few like to read. Now, a Christian who doesn't read the word of God, I really don't know what I should describe him. Because if man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word, and you are not feeding on the word, I wonder how, how you are surviving. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. If you are going to be a strong Christian, you have to be strong in the word. Somebody say strong in the word. When the Bible says be strong in the Lord, he's simply saying be strong in the word. When you are strong in the word, you are strong in the Lord. Where you are strong in the word, you are strong in the Lord. Where you are strong in the word, you are strong in the Lord. There is nothing Satan can bring your way that when you are wet loaded, you cannot survive it. When you build on the word, the Bible said the storms will come, 
the, the winds will blow, but it will be standing. Why? Because it is rooted on the word. Praise God. I'll be sharing with you nine reasons why every Christian must habitually read the word of God. Every Christian, every Christian. You have to read the word of God. You just get up and then you rush off. And you see, now in our times and in our days, you have the word so close to you. You don't have to carry a big Bible around. On your phone. On your phone. While you are in traffic going to work, you can read. That is assuming you are not driving. Nine reasons why every Christian must habitually read the word. Number one, read because Jesus, our Lord and Master, read the scriptures habitually. Jesus read the scriptures habitually. You see, Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He came. Philip said, show us the Father and it sufficed for us. He said, ah, I've been with you all these years and you, are, you mean you've not seen the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What I'm doing is what the Father would have us do. And in his incarnate life, Jesus read the word. <laughs> I mean, because today I'm teaching on reading, I'll be reading a lot to you. Somebody say, Pastor will be reading a lot to us. Yeah, I read a lot to you. I just wish I had time to do that. But I'll read as much as I could. Now, you must understand that Jesus didn't have to read the word because he was the word. Now, if the word read the word, I don't know who you are and what you think. In its natural life, now, listen, the reason why Jesus came as man was among many things to identify with us and so he could save us. Number two is to show us how we can live like victors in a world that is in disarray. So Jesus did not just come to redeem us so that he will whisk us away. If that was the purpose, the moment you get born again, you will just die and go. Or they will just uh, pick you up with the fastest flight and off you go to heaven. But you see, Jesus came to die to redeem us from the power of sin and also empower us to live as victors on the earth. Before man fell, man was in charge. He was in charge of everything, including lions. And everything was, the Bible said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. That was the position man was in before he fell. He was in charge of everything. There was no sickness that could dominate man. No infirmity, no demonic attack whatsoever. Everything was subject to man. And Adam sold that identity away. He sold that power away. Jesus came. You remember when Satan came to tempt him, he said, you don't have to go to the cross. I will give you all of this power for free if you will bow down for it was given to me. How did he receive it? He received it when Adam fell and then Adam handed the authority and dominion and power of the earth over unto him. Praise God. And Jesus came. He has restored, as the Bible said, having small principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. He triumphed to show us how we can practically live a life of victory. Listen, Satan doesn't have to have an upper hand in your life. He doesn't qualify. He must not dominate your prayer life. When you understand who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, Satan is not a factor when you are praying. He's not a factor when you are, no, 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 Satan is not a factor, but the only time you can uh, talk, I mean, <laughs> Satan appeared to Jesus and Jesus is talking to him as if he doesn't even exist. He left him. He left him. The Bible says, in the beginning was, a, John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now look at this. He says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 13, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. In, in righteousness he, do, he doeth judge and make war. His eyes were like as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's Jesus. His name is called the word of God. That is Christ. Christ was called the word. Now see what the word did when the word was on earth. See what the word. This is the incarnate word. Look at what happened. In the book of Luke chapter 4 verse 16 to 20. The Bible says, so he came to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up. And as his custom. Somebody say custom. The habit we are talking about as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. 
as his custom was. Now, that was not a time where you could have the Bible on your phone. The Bible was in limited circulation. You have to be, have a priest or, I mean, it's always stored. The scrolls were stored in a specific place. Jesus habitually went there. And the reason why he went there is because he was so hungry for the word. May your hunger for God's word go so up. Went there. As his custom, he went there and stood up to, that is, a, imagine the incarnate word, reading the written word. The incarnate word is reading the written word. Because he had become man. Showing us how practically we as men who have been dominated or been changed by the spirit of God, we are, we are new men in Christ. And as a new man in Christ, you, you were actually born of the word. I will show you that one day. You were born of the word. Now, if you were born of the word and you want to live outside of the word, you have problems. He said, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, which is the word of God, which liveth and abided forever. That which gave birth to you is the word of God. And that which sustains you, that which gives you power, that which gives you victory is the word of God. So you can't function and operate outside the word of God. Sometimes I pity people, they are talking about matters and say, no, no, you see, let's put the word aside. If you put the word aside, you don't have anything to stand on. You are failed already. If you remove the if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? On what foundation are you standing? Put the word aside. We are solving marital issues. Let's put the word aside. Then we can't find solution. If you can't receive a word solution, you won't have a solution. The believer's solution is a word. Somebody say the word. The word. Yeah, that's where the solution is. So if the word solution is not what you want, then we can help you. And that is why it's risky to marry someone who is not hooked up and born again and trans has been changed by the word of God. Because he's not born of the word, so he doesn't have an obligation to respond to the word of God. Number two is that God expects you to read. Somebody say, God expects me to read. The Bible says, my people. That scripture is a very instructive scripture. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people, not Satan's people, my people are destroyed. My people, the people who have been sanctified, the people who have been set apart, they are destroyed because they lack knowledge. Then he says, because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you. That shall be no more priest unto me. Look at this. Repeatedly, Jesus is interacting with people and he's telling them, listen, if you don't read, you can't boldly confront people and tell them, have you not read? Have you not read? Because if they, they also begin to challenge you back, Okay, I've read it. When they quote, you have to quote. Praise God. And people were asking. They were asking questions about life, and Jesus was referring them to the principal book. Have you not read? Have you not read? I mean, people have challenges in marriage, and it's obvious they've not read. It is just obvious. The reason why they have that kind of challenge, you can't forgive because you have not read. You have not read. When you read, and the word reads you, you see, you read the word and the word reads you. There is no way you can hold on to bitterness. Look at this. Matthew chapter 19 verse 1 to 4. Came to pass when Jesus had finished his sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And a great multitude followed him and he healed them all. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read? Somebody say, Have you not read? Have you not read? So, failure to read will make you make some serious challenges. Have you not read? Have you not read? Satan wants to kill you with some sickness or disease. Have you not read that he was wounded for your transgressions? He was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of your peace was upon him and by his stripes you were healed. Have you not read? Have you not read? Have you not read? Have you not read? Satan is telling you this economy you collapse under. Have you not read? Little children, you are of God and you have overcome the world. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Have you not read? Have you not read? Have you not read? Luke chapter 6, verse 1 to 5. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath, on the second Sabbath, that after the first, he went through the green fields and Let's do verse. Some of the Pharisees said to him, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? 
Look at this. But Jesus answering them said, have you not even read this? Every time. Listen, I like people who can quote scripture. I love them. I love them because you can't say what you don't know. Oh, it's not about just quoting scripture. It's about it. Okay. It's about it. I would choose a person who can quote than a person who can quote. I, I, it's, about, it's, it's not about just knowing scripture and quoting scripture. You don't know nothing. That's why you're talking like that. If you knew something, you, you, you talk about it. Because when you read the word and read it, some way, somehow, the word will read you. And when the word reads you, it will show in your life. Show in your life. I don't know how I kind of. I just feel anxious. Anxieties. I don't know. It's, it's a weakness in our family. Who told you? <laughs> Have you not read? Be anxious for nothing. Mm. But in everything, by prayer and some. Have you not read? Casting all your cares upon him. What's the cause of anxiety? It's because you are caring about many things, things you can't carry. You are trying to carry things you can't carry. They say cast. You say, I want to carry it. That's the source of your talent. Have you not read? Turn to your neighbor and say, have you not read? Now look at Matthew chapter 21 verse 40. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vineyards? And then he said, he will destroy those wicked miserably and leaves his word. He said, Vineyard to other vine dressers who render to them the fruits in their season. And Jesus said to them, Have you not read? Have you have you ever read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the head cornerstone? I mean, if you know this, somebody says, I'm no longer interested in the relationship. I'm walking out of the marriage. And you say, Ah, how can he end it like this? After coming this far, I'm going to commit suicide. No, it don't cross my mind. I have read the stones that the builders rejected. Has become the head cornerstone. I have read. I have read where Japheth was rejected, and later he came back as a king. I have read where Joseph was sold out by his brethren, and later on he came back to rescue his brothers. I have read. I have read. I'm not ignorant. I have read. The Christians who sit down and they are waiting for consolation, they don't nothing. Most of the time, they don't know much. Any Christian who consistently must be encouraged. No, 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 no. You've not read. You've not read. We all need encouragement at one point, but if consistently they must encourage you, speak. No, 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 no. Because there, there is no better encourager than the word of God. When you stay in the word, you will come up with hope. You will come up with life. Now look at this. Matthew chapter 22 verse 23. The, the same day the Sadducees and the Pharisees who said there's no resurrection came to him and asked him saying teacher Moses said that if a man dies having no children his brother should marry his wife and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring. Left his wife to his brother. Likewise the second also the third and even the seventh. The last of all the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. Now look at this. Jesus answering them. Therefore, in the resurrection. Now, Jesus answering the verse 29. You are mistaken not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. You are mistaken. You are mistaken. Listen. <laughs> I'm just getting ahead of myself. You are mistaken not knowing the power or the, the, the word of God. You are mistaken. You are mistaken. This morning, I think, I went somewhere to do something and on my way, somebody called me and was telling me about a man who came to tell him that uh, he sees that something has happened to her. Something has happened to her. And so he should go and bring one million and bring uh, blue or something. And he will do some direction for him. And because she's exposed, she said, but I don't believe it. I said, that is it. If you don't believe it, that's it. That's it. Forget about it. This is a foolish direction. <laughs> blue or the shirt at the event. <laughs> You have to sit and read. Somebody say read. read. Number three, read because of the biblical instruction to read. Somebody say the biblical instruction to read. read. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk. Now look at this. Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 to 9. 
He said, and these words which I command you today shall be where in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Now listen, when the word of God is in your mouth like this, where will you go and gossip? Look at, look at it. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You are talking the word every time. Every time. Now, that's Old Testament. That's what he told them. Now, look at this. He said, you shall bind them, bind them, bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlet between your eyes. Now, look at it. <laughs> One day, I'll give you some. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. Everywhere. Let people know that you are wedded. That's what he's saying here. Let people know that you are wedded. You are loaded with the word. That's it. Then he says, in the book of Joshua, this book of the Lord shall not depart from where? Your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written there. For then you make your way prosperous and you have good success. Now let's come to First Timothy. Because of the instruction. So that in the Old Testament, they were instructed to keep the word. Always. Read it and keep it. Now here he says, till I come, give attendance to what? Reading. Somebody say reading. It's not, he said, till I come. It's almost like an instruction. If you didn't get that well, 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, study to show yourself. Approve unto God as a workman that needed not to be ashamed. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 to 28. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls is faithful. Who also will do it? Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with the holy kiss. I charge you. Somebody say, I charge you. I charge. Verse 27. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. I charge you to read it. Now, it was a letter. And when the letters were given, that's why we are going through the book of Ephesians. A letter is given and when the letter comes, they, they meet and they read the letter to them. They read it to them. Now, you don't have the letter come. The letter is already here. It's on your phone. It's on your iPad. It's on your computer. All you do is to maintain the charge of reading the word. Now, number four, because it is the foremost step in the study of God's word. Reading is the foremost step. Somebody say the foremost step. If you have not cultivated the habit of reading the word of God, then you have not started studying the word of God. The foremost step in studying the word of God is reading, 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 reading. That's where it starts from. Reading. Read. You read to know. You are not. Just, just read. Next week, God will leave I'm able to finish today and we'll zoom into the next phase. I will show you how to read. How to read. Just read. Read, 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 read. Just read it. The Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, the righteous can do nothing. I said that habitual Bible studies begins with the habitual reading of the word. Habitual Bible studies. Somebody say habitual Bible studies. That's a quote. Habitual Bible study begins with habitual reading of the word. That's where it starts from. So if you have not established the discipline and the habit of constantly reading the word of God, you are here to develop the habit of reading the word of God. If you read the Bible once a week or when you come to church, you don't have a habit of studying the word of God. David said, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day. May the love for the word come alive in your heart. Amen. Number five, because reading sets the stage for a deeper and better understanding of the scriptures. That's why you must read it. Read it. Oh, I want to understand the word. Well, read it first. <laughs> read it first. Read it first. How can you say you want to understand a, a book and you have not read the book? I don't know why I don't understand it. I know why you don't understand it. You have not read it. Because when you read it, that is when the author of the book will begin to give you understanding. Look at what Apostle Paul said. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 to 7. I may not read up to 7. He said, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, indeed, you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. By which, when you what? When you, when you, 
You do what? You may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I've written it, but you will not understand it until you read it. When you read it, you may understand. Understanding comes from reading. That's where it starts from. You read it, read it, read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. By the time this series is over, I want you to come with a strong commitment that you are going to read certain parts of the Bible through and through every month. I go through Proverbs every month. Every month. Every month. Walking through the epistles. Read. 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 Look, Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldees, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah. So he studied, he read the books, the prophecy of Jeremiah, and then understanding came. Understand? How will you understand marriage? Read. You are reading mirror. And what Anita advises uh, to husbands. <laughs> you are a joke. Anita advises husband. PMP crowd, I think it's out of print now. They don't do it again. I don't know the popular ones they now read now. How to detect a cheating husband. Five ways to catch your wife. That she's flirting. <laughs> when what the word has said about wives and husbands, you don't know it. You don't know it. People are, they, they are, they are their hormones are rising. Their libido is increasing. They want to marry. But they've not read what the scripture is saying. <laughs> you have a problem. I mean, people marry and just after two years, one year or so, six months, they want to, they want to get out. No, you didn't marry. You were looking for a place to be with. That's all. No. You sit down and read. Praise the Lord. Read. Look, the Ethiopian Enoch, understanding came when he read. Look at this. The Bible said, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. And said, go, arise and go to the south, toward along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And so he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an Enoch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all the treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in the chariot. He was reading Isaiah. He was reading Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. You know the people, the Holy Spirit will come with understanding to those who are reading. Praise God. That's what I'm telling you. Be disciplined to read. You don't need to go to Bible school to understand the Bible. The author of the book lives in you. Amen. Praise the Lord. He lives in you. He lives in you. He lives in you. He lives in you. I mean, on several occasions, the Holy Ghost has brought me understanding of certain uh, specific uh, references in Scripture. When I check the original translation, it's just direct. Just direct. Just direct. He is the one who wrote the book. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. For the prophecy came not in the time of old by the will of men. But holy men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Moved by the Holy Ghost. That's how the word came. The Bible says, go and join yourself to him. Then he says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? He didn't understand, but he was reading. You see, you don't begin the Bible with understanding. You begin with reading. And the more you read and read and read and read and read, and that's what I'm saying next week, I'll show you how to read to understand the Bible. The more you read, you don't read one time and understand it. No, 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 no. You read again and again, again and again, again. That's when understanding comes. Again and again. Again and again. Again and again. Nobody catches a course, a course so fast reading. You pick a book and you read. 
When they ask you some questions from the book, you remember anything. Praise God. Number six, because it is vital in fulfilling your responsibility as a king and priest on the earth. Now, this is one of the things that distinguishes kings from priests. Those who live as kings and those who live as nobodies on the planet. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've been redeemed to live as a king. That's, that's who you are. You've been redeemed to live as a king. That's your place in Christ. You have been redeemed to live as a priest. Now, I saw these two references of what the king and the priest. In the Old Testament, they were separate offices. But in the New Testament, they've been joined together. Look at what the Bible says. Kings and priests in the Old Testament, they ruled and led by reading. Look at this. When you enter, Deuteronomy chapter 17, when you enter the land, which the, the land the Lord your God is giving you and you have taken possession of it and settled in it and you say, let us set a king over us like all nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. This is where Solomon's crisis began. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to ride for himself. Now, take note. He is to ride for himself a scroll, a copy of this law, taken from that of the Levitical priests. Now, look at that. Verse 19. And it is to be where? It is, verse 19. It is to be where? It is to be where? It is to be with him. He is to copy it and let it be with him. Here you are in this uh, fantastic uh, technological generation. You don't have it in your heart. You, ha you just have it on your phone anytime, anywhere. You go to, I mean, one of the things that people cannot simply leave uh, behind for a second is your phone. Your phone. You are going to the gent, your phone is with you. You are sleeping, your phone is with you. Everywhere. Now, can you imagine if you had planned and worked on this material and said, every day when I wake up, a scripture greets me, good morning, from my phone. In a certain time in the day, I have another reference. Praise God. Yeah. I have another reference. I will, I, I will not buy an expensive phone for nothing. Praise the Lord. It is to enrich my spiritual life. That's what it's about. Oh, and I have this phone. What does it do for you? <coughs> Just to feel that you are in a class. A class you don't fit. The Bible says, it shall be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life. He's supposed to read it all, all the days of what? I want you to follow this closely because, you see, we will be coming to the New Testament and you see the, the, the connection there. He said, he should read it all the days of it, that he may learn to revere his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Do you want to reign a long time? The Bible said those who receive the gift of righteousness and abundance, of, they shall reign in life. Somebody say, I'm ordained to reign. I'm ordained to reign. Reign in life. Reign over sickness. Reign over disease. Reign over poverty. That's your destiny. That's your place in Christ. Reign. Not be a victim of circumstance. Not be someone who is running away from challenges. No, 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 no. The Christian is not one who runs away. He's one who confronts challenges the way David confronted Goliath and brought the head down. Praise God. You know why David was able to? He knew who he was. That's all. That's, he knew. He said, no, no, no. Say, look at this one he has been fighting. He said, it's not about fighting history. I know who I am. I belong to Israel, covenant nation. The name of the Lord God is with me. I come against you in the name of God. <laughs> the, whom, the armies of, of whom you have defied. I will bring your head down. I mean, that's David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love that young man. He brought him down cheaply. By revelation. By revelation. It is to be with him. He's supposed to read all the days of his life. Not sometimes. All the days of his life. 
Listen. When you pray and you don't study the Bible, don't think that Satan fears you. Because when the battle starts, it will not start. It starts from here. This is where the battle starts. The battle, for the spiritual battle, eh, spiritual warfare, and we are engaged in spiritual warfare, we are engaged in spiritual, I will teach on spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is here. If your mind is not strong in the word, you will be cheated. You will lose it every time, again and again. Spiritual warfare is here. The greatest battle you will ever face, your mental battles. And when the spirit of God takes hold of your mind, when the word of God gains root in your mind, Satan will bring all kinds of thoughts. Where does suicide begin? From here. Fear begins here. Failure begins here. That's what the Bible says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your mind, change your life. That's what the Bible says. That, that is for the priest. Somebody say for the king. So the king is supposed to keep the word and he's supposed to live it all the days of his life. Now go to the priest. In Malachi chapter 2 verse 7. Malachi 2 7. The Bible says this. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge. Somebody say preserve knowledge. How are we supposed to know that this one is a priest? His lips should have knowledge. Knowledge. And the Bible said they should seek the law from his mouth. Did you see that? Yeah. When people want to know the word, they must come to you. I pray that Embassy of Life will be that kind of church. Where people are looking for the word of life, they will come here. In your office, when people are looking for the word, they should come to you. Somebody is discouraged, downhearted, disappointed, and is contemplating suicide. When you meet the person, you give one, two, three shots. And immediately, that thing leaves. Now, that's it. So, in the Old Testament, the king was supposed to read, and that's how they are supposed to rule and lead. Now, look at the New Testament. In the New Testament, they will be joined together. In the first, first Peter 2, verse 9. He said, for you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. In other words, a kingdom of priests. You are kings and you are priests. That's who we are. All right? Now, come to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the stroke, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden, ba- golden bars of incense. Which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, let's read it together. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open it for you were and have by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And has made us and we shall why are you supposed to reign? Don't do what you are supposed to do and reign here. In heaven, he shall reign forever and ever. He, not you. Your throne is not up there. Your throne is here. If you die as a victim of circumstance, you lose. Praise God. Abraham is in heaven. Lazarus is there. Everybody chose the way he wants to enter. You will enter like Lazarus. He has made us kings and priests. And we are to reign and rule by the word. You know, the Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. So you know your position and you know the right command to issue. Praise God. But sometimes there's a challenge and you don't know the right command to issue. So there's no power. You are in a position, but you are not speaking. The, I mean, go to the old uh, historical books and see when kings spoke. When the king spoke, that was it. <laughs> when Esther was attacked, the moment the king spoke, that was it. Herod's, uh, Haman's head was gone. When the word of a king is, there is power. Praise God. So, when you get the right word, you locate the right word as a king, and you issue that command. That's how it ends. Praise God. That's how it ends. Revelations 1, verse 6. He says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show unto his servants, servants things which must surely come. And he sent and signified by the angel and said, who by? Now look at verse 3. He said, blessed is he that read it and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Then he goes all the way down and he tells you, you are kings and priests. Praise God. Number seven, read because reading will deliver you from many mistakes people make 
about earthly and eternal matters. There are people who make a lot of mistakes in life. And you see, in fact, when you make mistakes in this life, you can be spared. But when you make, you make a mistake about eternal matters, you are doomed for life. These guys came to Christ. And they said, this woman died married, and then the husband died, the wife died, the, the first husband died, the second. In the eternity, whose wife is going to be? That's a, a, a question. <laughs> Jesus said, you guys, you are asking a very foolish question because yeah, yeah. you don't know the scriptures. You are making mistakes. They were making mistakes about eternal matters. You will make mistakes like that. Now, look, look at this mistake that they made. Terrible mistake because they will not read you. Listen, if you don't read there, you make some wild mistakes. Parliament can sign a contract and later on they realize that it was this because they will not read. Because they didn't read. If you don't read this document, eh, you will say yes to a foolish man and you will become your husband because you have chosen not to read. Look at this. When Paul and his party set sail for Paphos, they came to Pega in Pamphylia. And John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. And when they departed from Pega, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Look at this. Afterward, the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them and said, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Now look at. Oh, why are you here? I'm reading out and you are here. Verse 15. Verse 14, 16 rather. Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. Look at this. The God of these people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he brought them out. Verse 18. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And after, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them. David asked king, to whom also he gave the testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From the man's seed, this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus. John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all people of Israel. Verse 25. And now John was finishing his course. He said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, sanders of whose feet I am not ready to lose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. Now look at verse 27. Let's read verse 27 together. For those who dwell in Israel and their rulers, because they did not know, nor did not know him, nor even the voice of the prophets, which every Sabbath how were they to know the voice of the prophets? Through the reading. Through the reading. They didn't know. They, they made a serious mistake. Serious mistake. And because they wouldn't read. <laughs> Look at this. Have fulfilled in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that they should. If they had read, they would have known that this is the Messiah. If they had read. If they had read. Because you don't read, when a good man comes into your life, you don't assess him well and you lose him. You don't assess him well. Because you don't read. So all your mind is outward, outward, flashy, flashy things. Because you don't read. Yeah, you don't read. Number eight, because reading enables you to discover and take full delivery of all that is yours in Christ. Somebody say reading. reading. Helps me to see and discover all that is mine in Christ. Every, the Bible says all things are yours in Christ. There is no need, lack of any sort in the man in Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. But you'll be weeping about things that are already yours because you don't read. Now look at this. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 to 7. The day heaven was weeping and it was because nobody was ready to open the book. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. 
Then I saw a strange angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is ready to open the scroll and to lose the seeds? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and to look at it. So I wept much. Somebody say, I wept much. I wept much. Yeah. When you don't know what to do, you always embrace challenges with weeping. I wept much because no one was found ready to open and read the, the scroll or to look into it. Oh, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Somebody said the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David had prevailed to open the scroll and to lose the seeds. That's why Paul was praying for revelation. Revelation, revelation, revelation. Let me close with this. Listen, I want you to know there are countless blessings that those who read the word of God get that those who don't read it will never get. Countless blessings. Now, the last book of the Bible says, Revelations, Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. It said, blessed is he that read. You can also reverse it. Curse is he who does not read. Blessed is he. Now, if you look at around the continents of the world, the continents that read, they are better than the continents that read, don't read much. Isn't that the case? Yeah. Even in natural life, those who read, they go ahead. With God, they are able to go ahead. That's why everybody is, try, is trying to get the best of education for their children. Because uh, if God is not on your side, and you have some good books on your side, you can go to a certain height in life. Praise God. Blessed is he that reads. So when you are not reading, <laughs> that's why you are functioning and all. I mean, you can't look at me and tell me about ancestral cases and I will, I will, I will agree with you. <laughs> I have read too much about ancestral blessings. My system is so intoxicated with ancestral blessings. Look at a few things David said in our close. Psalm 119 verse 97 to He said, oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all. I think about them all. I think about them all. He says, verse 98, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Say, my constant guide. My constant guide. Yeah, my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. That's a blessing. That's a blessing there. That's a blessing. They say, oh, this guy, his wisdom is above his age. Yeah. There's a place he caught it from. It's from the word. Because when you rob your mind with the ancient of days, that wisdom will show. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. There are some uh, things when people say, you know they are, you automatically know they are kind of friends. The kind of friends. Psalm 19 verse 1 to 7 to 8. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Somebody say the instructions of the Lord. They are what? They are perfect. Reviving. Reviving. I like that. Reviving the soul. Re, your soul cannot be down. You know your soul. Your soul is your emotions, your intellect, and your will. It, they can't be down because you, you see revival in your soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. Making wise the simple. He's just telling you the blessings reading God's word brings. He says, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Where is your joy? Joy comes from reading the word, reading the word, reading the word. Their commands are clear, giving insight for living. <laughs> Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey and even the dripping, dripping from the comb. They are warning to your servant a great reward for those who obey it. May the grace of God to become a word added rest upon you. May the grace of God to have a word response for every situation be upon you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Ah, It's so beautiful to, to, to see how Jesus gave word response to every one of the uh, uh, asna Satan threw to him. When he came, he said, turn this stone into bread. Jesus knew another reference. Man shall not live by bread alone. When he said, cast down, fall down and worship. Jesus said, you shall serve the Lord and him alone thou shalt worship. Consistently. Consistently. 
there was immediate response. Now, is it, if he was not reading, you won't have that kind of response. If it is food, he will have something to say. If it is money, he has nothing to say. Jesus has something to say about everything. May the Lord give you understanding. May the Lord give you, put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, tonight, I receive, I receive, I receive fresh hunger for your word. For your word. I make a commitment today to read the word and set it daily. So help me God. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no, no.